Sales win rates have plummeted to a mere 17%, and outdated technology and tedious manual processes are to blame. Meanwhile, managers lack the visibility they need to hold their teams accountable. But imagine a world in which these crippling issues are solved automatically. Revenue.io automates the most frustrating parts of sales so reps can focus on what they do best, selling. Completely automate pre-call research, logging conversation data in your CRM, writing post-conversation recap emails, and prioritized outreach. And as reps book more meetings and close more deals, managers gain the real-time insight they need to scale what's working across their entire team. Ready to say goodbye to tedious sales processes and watch your win rate soar? Head over to Revenue.io to learn more. It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I'm excited to talk with my guest today. Joining me is Julie Hansen, founder of Performance Sales and Training, and a speaker and an author of two books, one, Sales Presentations for Dummies, and Act Like a Sales Pro, which we're going to talk about both, but curious about that Act Like a Sales Pro. I've always been intrigued with what she does there. So, Despite the rise of remote selling, the sales presentation still is, whether delivered in person or virtually, an essential part of the selling process for many companies. But as my guest says, and I'm quoting her here, is that most salespeople are using sales presentation techniques based on audience behavior from the 1970s, 80s, or 90s before prospects were able to escape, which they do, to their smartphone or tablets the second they weren't engaged, unquote. So, so what has changed and what do you need to do right now to develop and deliver compelling presentations that help you sell? Well, my guest today, Julie Hansen, is going to help us sort it all out. Julie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Andy. I'm very happy to be here. So likewise, pleased to have you. So please take a minute and introduce yourself. Absolutely. Well, well, you did a nice, nice job there. Yeah, so I focus on sales presentations, demos, those customer-facing opportunities, that we that we have, whether they're virtual or live, and uh, I work with people to kind of take those sales presentation skills that they learned in the '70s before we had all this technology and people got so busy, and sell for the 21st century. It's interesting because I think though we've evolved in so many areas of the sales process, whether it's how we generate leads, uh, doing discovery, value selling, presentations is like, you know, the land untouched by time. You know, we're still going in there and... <laughs> Talk about dinosaurs, that, right? Yeah, yes, exactly. Well, I think that that uh, has so, to do, though, with, with you know, how sales are happens in general. And, you know, my contention is that sales is fundamentally an apprenticeship. And people see behavior, certain behaviors being modeled, and that's what they emulate. Mm, and, right, right. Yeah, you know, their, their sales role models haven't, haven't changed, so in turn, nothing's really changed. You know, that's a good point. It, it, a lot of that is, uh, you know, what we've been taught, what we've, what we were, it was implanted in our brains early on, and and what we see around us, and we just assume that's the way you do it, and and haven't 
And frankly, salespeople are so busy, you don't have a lot of time to think about, do I, you know, I need to update my style, I need to, what do I need to do? It seems a little overwhelming. Well, yeah, it's, it's sort of, it's sort of uh, an afterthought of sorts, right? I mean, the important right, things right. are I have to prospect, I have to develop a relationship, build rapport, develop credibility, build trust, find the right solution, right. and oh yeah, yeah, at some point we're going to have to present something. Presentation, right. <laughs> yeah. Which is such a crazy way of thinking about it, because that getting that face-to-face time with your customer or even the virtual time is so difficult, right? Well, and it's so valuable, that time. Yeah, it's so valuable. And it's and it's like the, we just kind of, that's the last thing we think of. And it, it needs to, I think, have a little greater priority, a little more attention paid to it because there are just so many ways that you can either lose the deal by doing making some mistakes and not connecting with your customer and there's many ways where you can leverage it to work in your favor if you if you work it right well we're going to talk about that now before we dive into that thought, as yes. i alluded to early on you you for a long time and i, I presume you still do you you talk about this connection between acting and selling yes and so yes I, what do they have in common well they actually quite a bit uh, you know, I think we all play roles, and we don't necessarily put on a different hat or wig. We just we we slip into different roles in our life, whether it's teacher, uh, parent, son, you know, coworker, what have you. And we just use different aspects of ourselves to to fit into that role and to connect with the other person. So sales is really a role that we put on. Um, it's still part of ourselves. It's it's we don't, again, turn into a different person. I, I like to quote Johnny Depp, who, as you probably know, plays some pretty out there roles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but he said, you know, with any part you play, there's a part of yourself in it. Otherwise, it's just not acting, it's lying. And, you know, there, we don't want to be somebody we're not, but we want to be the best version of us for that particular role that we are taking on as possible. And what I love about acting is there are, there are some very specific techniques to, um, to get a message across to, in a, in a more, most effective way and to connect with other people and to gain attention and respond to others. Um, but it's really using yourself. It's using your tools that you have uh, and kind of looking at yourself as a performer. Because uh, like it or not, if you're in front of other people, there's an aspect of performance to yeah. it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And and so knowing that and going, okay, as a performer, what are my tools? Well, certainly I've got my my uh, content and my all my knowledge and, and my connection with the client. But, um, you know, I've also got my my voice, my body, how I, how I um, interact with, with people, how I use my area here, my space. And it's, it's just looking a little beyond, um, you know, kind of the, the obvious that everybody looks at as far as good presentation skills. So it's okay, just to, on sort of last points on this, it's, it's okay to assume a persona because you still, at heart, you're still yourself, you know, quoting Johnny Depp, right? You still have to you still have to be yourself. I mean, customers will spot. Right, right. If you're not being authentic, oh, they're going to spot that. Absolutely, right. And you know, it's interesting. But what, uh, what, and I worked with, I, I had a tally last week where I counted all the people that I had coached on presentations last year. It was like 2,000. And, and most of them, I have to say, who have, 
had experience in sales and been trained, they, uh, they get stuck in this, what I call presenter mode, which is really not who they are. You know, it's more of a phony role than, mm-hmm. than what I'm talking about, because they feel like they are supposed to talk a certain way. And so they end up saying all these formal things like, well, in conclusion, <laughs> in summary, and you know, it, it, so a lot of times my job is just to help them kind of strip away all those things that we think we should do or say or be and like, okay, who let's, we want to see you. I want to see you in the role of a salesperson and what is unique about you. And let's bring that out. And that's, what's going to connect with the other people. So it, it's not a cookie cutter kind of thing that I think is what we learned in, you know, the, the last century was, uh, this is how you do it. And you act a certain way. And it's, it's, it's a disconnect between you and another person. Right, right. Okay, so let's let's talk about presentation. So okay. has the purpose of a sales presentation changed over the past 15 years? You know, we had this all this rapid evolution of technology and introduction of technology into the sales process. I mean, has has the fundamental purpose of a sales presentation changed? I th- I think that it has in many cases and and part of that has to do with the fact that prospects are so much more informed than they were in the past. And in, you know, years ago, a lot of the, much of the goal of the presentation was to pass on information and to inform them. And, and now, as you know, prospects can get all the information that they need. And a lot of times they've pre-qualified you. They've done all their research many times before you even get in the door, or have a conversation. So if your purpose is to go in and rehash what they already know, that's going to be a pretty dry presentation. You're not going to... It's going to be a loser from the start, quite frankly. <laughs> it's going to be a loser, Andy, is what it's going to be, yeah. Uh, so, so, that, so the purpose has to be beyond that. And you have to now, I think, because people are so prepared and their expectations are higher, uh, and they expect more of a tailored presentation. They expect you to have some kind of understanding about what their needs are and and how you can help solve their challenges or add something, add, add value. Um, so to go in and just kind of throw things out and hope something sticks is not going to win you any deals today. No, I mean, that's, that's the purpose of, of a discovery call. Right, right. So yeah. so for a presentation, I mean, at least in my mind, as you know, building what you talked about, the fact that you know, customers, certainly by the time you get to the presentation stage, uh, regardless how the the deal originated, they've done their research. You know, they've talked to you multiple times. They've they have a pretty good understanding of what's going on. So to me, the the presentation is is really you know you've got this precious time that they've invest, they're investing in you. I and mean, it could be multiple right. people in this room. So it becomes one of the more expensive aspects for the prospect in their buying process. Is okay. all this time they're going to invest for people to come to the meeting is, yeah, there has to be a really specific plan in terms of, you know, we'll use the term value, but whether it's an insight or specific questions that need to be answered and asked, or asked and answered, excuse me. But there has to be a, a pretty a pretty solid plan for getting across one or two key points. Yes, and that's a great point you just brought up, because I think that's one of the one of the issues today is people go in with so many things that they want to get across and, you know, people end up remembering, you know, taking away nothing because more is not better today. 
No, more is, is, more is worse. Absolutely. Right, right. All that does is dilute your message. And so I always tell people, you know, I, I know it's painful to hear, but what is that one thing you want them to walk away with? If they're going to, if they're going to only remember one thing and, and that's going to help them remember other things, but know what that key concept is. And let's try and make this easy for them to remember and to strategically introduce it in very place, various places in your presentation. Yeah, I mean, you you can, <laughs> yeah, you you can have a presentation where you uh, fail to perhaps accurately or exclu- extensively enough explain the point you're trying to make, but still have a relatively decent presentation where they don't hold it against you necessarily. But there's really you know, things are operating at two levels here. One, it's not just that you if you come in and give a boring presentation, is it's a commentary both on the company and on you. And since you, as a sales rep, right. are really the first line of differentiation between your competitors, because you know products all tend to be viewed somewhat as commodities these days, it really works right. on two levels right. against you if you come in and you're boring, as you said, and you fatigue them, as you talked about in your article. Yes, yes. That you know, this isn't our, most of our prospects. It's not their first rodeo. You know, they've seen a few presentations. In fact, now, you know, the, the buyers that are moving into the market now, you know, they've been exposed to PowerPoint presentations throughout their school years. Uh, it's, you know, all, this, all the training that they get within their companies. So presentations are just, you know, a dime a dozen. And if you go in and do the same thing everybody else does, like you said, products are, you know, there's fewer differences, smaller differences between products and solutions today. Um, maybe you have a feature one day and then the next day your competitor has it. And so you can't count on winning on features. Um, so if you go in and, and you don't differentiate yourself in your messaging and your delivery of the presentation either, it's, it's going to be pretty hard for your prospect to uh, understand why they should choose you. Or even make the decision to go ahead with or, the purchase at all. Right, yeah, right. Which, yeah, things operate at two I, levels. And we'll, we'll talk about those levels because it's... yeah. As as I believe happens, and as experience has showed me, is that customers really have sort of two decision points, and I call it one's a decision and one's a choice. And the first one is a decision whether we're going to make a purchase at all or not. Mm-hmm. And having made right. that decision, then we have to make a choice about who to buy it from. Right. So, and I totally agree. There's, I think, there's the you know why buy, why buy you, and why buy now is a lot of times because you can get those first two, and then they can say, okay, but you know what, we're not. We're going to do that. We got a lot of things we need to do first, right? So, so it may be also that additional. Why do they need to buy now? Yeah. And so you need you need to know before you're going in where which question your presentation really needs to address. Exactly. So let's talk about the article you'd written about the five ways to prevent presentation fatigue, oh, and yes. which I I love the expression. And the first one you had is slides don't differentiate you. And so let's the first question that comes to mind with is for a presentation, slides or no slides? I think slides are fine. I just don't ex- don't expect them to do magic. You know, I think uh, as a as a support to your presentation, I think slides can be very powerful. But if that's what you're banking on to set you apart, it, it's not going to do it. Like I said, everybody's seen a gazillion PowerPoints, and some are better than others. And as long as yours isn't terrible, 
you know, it, it can serve its purpose. But that that alone is that's that's like the you know entry level that gets you into the game. And I think it is important, though. I think to some level is that your slides don't suck. Well, yes. <laughs> I mean, yes, it's, yes. I mean, don't suck. That's that's rule number one. Spend yeah, I, you spend know, a little bit of time to you know make sure they don't look like something from you know industrial 1980s as, as oftentimes they do <laughs> right but that you you know you put some creativity and thought into it and that you you um at least my personal bias is that is that you minimize the text and really sort of have like one thought per slide right one thought per slide i totally agree and and there's there's so much good information now on what should be on a slide and how to design a good slide and if and if you're not in artistic person and that's not your forte there's some great services that can do that for you quickly and cheaply and you know it's much better than than trying to cobble something together that just is uh you know uh, is going to distract your audience from from what you're saying yeah so that's the problem you can use it to support your message and it can totally backfire and it can take them away from what you're saying and they get distracted by god that's a how many bullet points is that, right? <laughs> so, so to some degree, I mean, there's a, a corollary to what you was talking about in your point one that slides don't differentiate you in a positive sense, but they certainly can differentiate you in a negative sense. Yes, and right. So, it, you know, the message there is not that you can be careless or sloppy or, um, not, I don't want to say inartistic, but but dull. Um, right. There's certain standards people sort of expect that that companies are going to have these days. Yeah, the bar has been raised on that. So if if that's again not something you're good at, there are plenty of people that can help you with that. You need to get some assistance because that is is, is an expectation today for yeah. sure. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back and talk about the four remaining points about ways to prevent presentation fatigue with my guest Julie Hansen. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a thousand companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Welcome back to the show. We're talking with my guest, Julie Hansen, about how to make interesting presentations, not just prevent fatigue on the part of the, the viewer, which is certainly a problem. So we talked first about how slides won't differentiate you, but I think we agreed that that uh, if you're inattentive to the quality of the slides, that could be problematic for you because customers going to make an assessment about you on that. So the second one is slides won't make a boring pre- message interesting, which, gosh, that's so true. I mean, I, I, I tell people first rule of presentations is what I call ditch the pitch. Which is, mm. if you've got a corporate pre- corporate capabilities content in your presentation, get rid of it. Don't even include it. Just right. know, people want to know. They've already right. been to your website. They've looked at your about tab on your website. <laughs> they know about you. They've gone to your LinkedIn profile, your CEO's LinkedIn profile. They know all that stuff. They don't care about the garage. 
<laughs> right. They don't need to see a picture of your office unless you're selling your office to them. <laughs> right. It's like it, I, I and I call it, uh, you know, dump the corporate selfie. It's like, yeah, it, who cares? And, I, and if if there if there are points in there, I like I try and take people through that company overview and say, you know, why are you saying this? And look at every point that you think you need to get across. Well, we started in 1932, and we have offices in you know these 15 places. And ask yourself, from a customer standpoint, what's in it for me? Why do I care? And if you can make that connection, then then great. Maybe you can pepper that in some way. But I I really am a firm believer that it, that starting off with a company overview, there is no sure way to disengage your audience today oh, to do yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That is, I mean, all that says is like, here we are in for another boring presentation. They're reaching for the cell phones before you get through the first bullet point on that slide. Well, right. And that, and I think one of the, you know, one of the trends today that, that is, is a reason why we have to look at restructuring our presentations is people's attention span is so it's small. I mean, it's gotten really short. Sure. It's actually, as I was researching my most recent book, Sales Presentations for Dummies, I found that uh, the average adult's attention span has dropped 50% in the last 10 years. What'd you say? The average adult's <laughs> Just kidding. attention span. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, isn't that crazy? Yeah. Well, I mean, it- the place that, that I oftentimes see referred to, to as the biggest exemplification of that is the way that we edit TV shows and movies. And so, right, right. That, I mean, you wouldn't sit through, I mean, I can't stand to sit through a whole show with commercials. It's like, ah. Well, but it's not that. What it is is, is the show themselves it used to be that, that they would have longer shots on a character. Mm-hmm, right. And now the average cut, I think, is like 1.3 seconds or something. So mm-hmm. the camera perspective is changing all the time because they think. That's what the audience is wanting in order to retain their attention. Right. It would need <laughs> constant stimulation. Well, it's, right. and it's so reinforced in society. It's when you think about, you know, how long songs are. They used to be a lot longer. You know, if you hear a long song today, it's like four minutes. You're like, what is this? In a gata de vida? <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> we're shocked. And, now we're dating know, we ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard of that song. I never actually heard no, it. That's right. <laughs> I heard about it from my, my parents. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, for those you know, who are the younger ones in the audience, that's a classic song where the solo goes on for forever. <laughs> it's like six, six or seven minute song. Iron it? Butterfly. I, think I used to work in radio and DJs used to play it when they had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> that and the long version of Layla. Yes. So. Yeah, exactly. But, but honestly, are just, we're dealing with people with short attention spans. And that's reinforced by technology because we've, you know, uh, anybody who does presentations knows that one of their biggest competitors for attention is that smartphone sitting there. And if you can't give your prospect enough of a reason to tear themselves away from their smartphone pretty quickly, you're going to be battling with that the whole presentation. I mean, my, my technique, yeah, you can tell me whether I'm completely wrong-headed in this approach or not, but... Oh, I will. Uh, yeah, I'm sure, it's, especially <laughs> since I got you on that one joke, is that, that um, you know, I, I have a lot of slides. I mean, mm-hmm. I go through slides quickly. I mean, mm-hmm. because, yeah, I'm trying to... And I only have one point per slide, <laughs> and sometimes not even any text on. I'll just talk to it. But there's a you know an image that's relating to the topic, but 
Um, yeah, I don't know what the rule of thumb is for how many slides you need for a certain length of presentation, but yeah, I'm never going to, almost never going to have more than one bullet per slide. You know, one line of text, one right. thought, and then we'll go to the next one. So if I'm going through a slide every 20, 30 seconds, uh, sometimes you think you really need that to retain people's attention. I I agree. I'm a big proponent of that. I think simple slides, you know, moving quickly. Um, so it, it's not so much the, the number of slides, it's uh, it's what's on that slide. And like yeah. you said, you know, the, the, the heavy content slide is where you just kill people. But also, it's your job as a presenter a lot of times is just to manage your audience's eyes, right? Is to keep them on you, keep them on the message. It may be on the slide. It may be something you're saying. And the, the mistake I see salespeople do a lot of times is having something on the screen that has nothing to do with what they're saying or having a busy slide up there with numerous PowerPoints or a diagram and be delivering a message that you really want people to get, but you're, you've split their attention because some of them are going to be looking at the slides, some are going to listen to you. So, and I don't know if you do this, but I like to tell people to black out the screen. I mean, you don't mm -hmm. have to have a slide up there all the time. You know, think about, do I want all eyes on me now? Am I talking about a benefit or a value statement? And I don't want to be competing with something else on the slide. Yeah, no, I so think the blacking out, all the remotes have that that button you can push yeah. to black out the, the projector. And just make sure that you're, I mean, this is a little tactical, but just make sure that you're not standing next to the screen when you do that, but move up into the light so that when you're, when you're asking, uh, or you know, continue to elaborate on the point you're making, is that people can actually see you. Right, right. Yeah, depending on what size your room is. Yeah, and the, yeah I've the, seen that many times where it just looks like a silhouette of somebody back there talking. Yeah, it's like, yeah <laughs> we can't really true. see you. Yeah, yeah. All those, all those things that kind of detract from your message. And and I, I think the important thing about getting people's attention, keeping people's attention, that you know, that's really job one in a presentation today. And to not put thought into that is just giving, putting yourself at a disadvantage. Yeah, so, so that really brings us to the, the key point, though, of, of maybe of all five, which is you need a storyline. You know, if you're trying to make it interesting for people, there has right. to be a story. Right. I mean, the, we know the power of story. I mean, we've, we've known for <laughs> thousands of years, right, since Plato and, and his contemporaries outlined the right. three-part story structure. And, you know, you've got the setup or the situation problem resolution or you call it tension resolution situation tension resolution you know every piece of entertainment that we consume has that same structure i mean exceptions may be you know movie like memento or something but even that doesn't right, right, way, or inception, inception or, or, something. or a quentin tarantino movie but yes by and large <laughs> and that's we're almost genetically programmed at this point to expect stories to have that and if they do then it sweeps us up in it and exactly so i mean why why fight that i say so so use what what people know and what they can you know connect to and that like you said the movies are a great example of that and when people start with a lot of prologue or how about those broncos and you know take 10 minutes to get to the point i talk about movies and you think about where do movies start do they start with a long backstory about the characters and why they made the movie and where the studios you know set up 
they, they start with the car chase, right? Or the lover's meeting. They get right into the story. And I think that's one thing we have to kind of think, remember about our audiences is, you know, they're, they're smarter than sometimes I think we give them credit for. And we have to let them connect the dots. People actually like to connect the dots. Oh, yeah. You know, if you, you know just start. I always tell people, start in the middle. Like, where does your story start? It doesn't start with way back when. And I think that's the problem a lot of times with with creating a story in your presentation. It's it's not something you just kind of throw together. You do you have to hone that, and you have to be really uh, have a real sharp, clear opening because stories, like you said, with a bad slide can slides can you know lose you your audience. Well, a bad story, whether it's the structure or the delivery, can do the same thing. So you, you do want to be really clear about what is my story? How can I illustrate this in an interesting way? Where does that story really start? What's at stake in this story so that people care about it? And how does it relate to why, the, why you're here and how, you, how you're going to impact my business? Yeah, I mean, it, so story, the power of story, and for the details of you know, how you build a story, I'm sure that's in your, your book, Sales Presentations for Dummies. Is yep. but the Definitely. power is that for your listener, part of the reason we watch move you know TV shows you know serials you know long long series of TV shows we get we and movies is we get we identify with the characters in them and yeah. right. it's this identification that's really important as you're selling something because the customer's going to start identifying with the subject of your story. So if you have a story that that fits this three simple three-part rule about you define a situation, add tension or a problem to it, and what's the resolution, which is really the story of every sales <laughs> sales situation. So if your right. story is about one of your existing customers and how they came, the problem they had, and how they came to talk to you and what their goals and objectives were and you know a problem they got encountered on the way and how you resolved that problem to help them achieve the value they wanted to achieve from investing in your solution – the first thing that happens is that customers could be thinking about themselves as the customer you're talking about. You know, what if I was that person? Yes. What's the value I would receive? And that I call that a mental test drive. Is you get mm. the customer to take yeah. that mental it test drive. That is known by scientists that, that study how people make decisions. That's known as an absolutely essential step in every decision-making process. So that's, right. that's why people it's so putting compelling. Putting themselves in the... In the, in the story in the story yeah absolutely yeah now those are those and you're right that holds true to almost every type of story that we're comfortable with and 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 i think it's worth noting that as a as a technique storytelling is is great but most salespeople i think use if they're going to use a story it usually is that customer story and that you know that here's what this customer had this challenge similar to yours here's what we did here were the results uh, but there's so many other stories that that can be uh, impactful um, because I think that is still within that business realm. And to really differentiate yourself today, um, it, one thing that grabs attention is do is breaking a pattern. So doing something different, and that might mean telling a story that's more of an analogy or a, 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 an example from a different field and making a strong connection to their their business or their challenge uh even a personal story can be very powerful well so one story i recommend for people to think about is 
So if you're talking to a prospect and instead of telling a story about one of your customers, then depending on the product and service you sell, but tell a story about one of your existing customers' customers, right? The value they received mm. from you know the the value that the your customer is able to provide them because they had your system. And that oh, then, okay. yeah, that's that then becomes a very compelling approach. story because uh-huh. they say, oh gosh, we're going to be able to sell more customers. This is how our customers will mm-hmm. react. Mm-hmm. And right, so they really see the impact down the line. Exactly. They see the impact like in a way they wouldn't do before. Yeah. Well, free advice well, the on other, the show today. Yeah, great. You know, and the other thing about stories, they're, they're very memorable. They have... Uh, they have a stickiness to them. And, yes. and uh, one of the challenges that, that we face when doing a presentation today is, uh, unlike years ago, as solutions get more expensive and more complex, there's more decision makers involved, you rarely walk out with a signed contract, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so your message has to live on after you leave. And you have to look at what is your story and, and how can I make this sticky? And, um, and, and that's something that is often not thought of when doing a presentation is that, that the fact that those decision makers are maybe going to get together a week, a month later. And in that time, they're going to see a lot of, they're going to see your competition. They're also going to see a lot of different vendors and a lot of presentations and have other decisions. So how are you going to make sure that that, that comes top of mind that you you've really made that one thing that you want them to get across sticky mm-hmm. and a, a story can be very effective in that way as well oh i think more so than anything you can say to the prospect about what your product does the features the value and so on if you can illustrate it with a story they'll remember that story and if you're dealing with your internal advocate or mobilizer or whatever term you want to use these days uh they're going to be much more apt to remember that story than they will any sort of fact and figure you give them. Absolutely. And, and I'll tell you, you know, I, I see, you know, thousands of presentations a year and I remember, I don't remember necessarily what people were, um, you know, what their product was or what their messaging was exactly, but I remember the stories they told. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, good. Well, we're going to move to the last segment of our show. Okay. If uh, for people who want to learn the other uh, two ways to prevent presentation fatigue, uh, you can visit Julie's website. She'll give that information here in a few minutes. And lots of good blog entries there for you to follow. So here's the first question for you. Is hypothetical scenario I give to all my guests. You've just been hired as a new sales leader at a company whose sales have basically fallen into a rut. And they really need to get out of that rut. And they're looking to you to do that. So in your first week on the job, what two things would you do that could have the biggest impact? Mm, two things. Gosh. Well, I think it sounds like they need a big attitude change. So I would uh, probably get everyone together and see, uh, kind of make sure that we know we're all starting fresh and um, see if we can set some goals um, based on where they want to be and not based on what has just been happening. Mm -hmm. And then I would take a look at what everyone is doing as far as their, um, because I focus on presentations and so that's really <laughs> where I, my, my knowledge lies. I would, I would look at what they're, what they're doing and I would, I would, I would think there's some consistent thread there if their sales are falling down, that there's some disconnect between 
the product, assuming you have a good product, and how it's being received by the customer. So what are we doing that we can improve there? Yeah, to communicate our value proposition and our story. Yeah, right. right. All right, good. All right, good answer. So now I've got some rapid-fire questions for you. You can give me one-word answers, or you can elaborate if you wish. So the first one is, when you're selling yourself, what's your most powerful sales attribute? My most powerful sales attribute is that... My attribute, like a character yeah, characteristic. Yeah. yeah okay. Uh, I th- I think that I've I can empathize. I've been in the people I'm talking to their shoes. I know what it's like to do a painful presentation, <laughs> and, and uh, so I, I've been there, and I've been there, and I know how to get out of the woods. Okay. Good. So, what tool do you use for managing your own sales that you can't live without? Oh. Uh, I would have to say, I would have to say the phone. I think that is just <laughs> an mm-hmm. underused tool anymore. Nobody, nobody calls anymore, so I think it's very powerful. <laughs> it is. Okay, good answer. So who's your sales role model? My sales role model, I have a couple, but I would say Jill Conrath. Mm-hmm. I think she's very, very down to earth, um, very... Um, she's also very good about bringing others lifting other people's people up in the in the business so i really admire mm-hmm. the work that she's done yeah she's great um yeah as i told her I, after i did my last web design redesign she said oh gosh that looks really good how'd you do that i said well i looked at what you did and i slavishly copied it um, <laughs> i think everybody copies her <laughs> i do too <laughs> so what's the one book Besides your own, that every salespeople person should read. Oh gosh, what's the one book? Um, pro- okay, this is maybe a little different, but I would recommend "Made to Stick" by Dan and Chip Heath. Yeah, it's a good book. Yeah. Okay, so here's the toughest question of the day: What Uh-oh. music is on your playlist? <gasps> what music's on my playlist? Oh gosh, I have a, I have a lot. Let's see. Um, Oh, the uh, Avid Brothers. Oh, no kidding. You're the first one I've asked that said that. Really? I love that. Yeah, I saw them in concert about uh, five months ago. Did you? I see them every year. They come out here. They go to Red Rocks. Yes. Yeah, I love the Avid Brothers. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so if anybody's listening to the show and you don't know the Avid Brothers, A-V-E-T-T. Oh, missing out. From North Carolina, you're missing out. They're um, described sort of as punk grass and uh they Mm. put on a show like unless you saw springsteen back in his younger days they put on one of the best shows uh high energy just incredibly entertaining uh yeah a recommendation for me for what it's worth so what's the first sales activity you do every day well i probably shouldn't do this but i check my email everybody prefaces it with that it's okay i mean all those people say don't check your email it's like okay I know, it's but okay. I read all these books about how you should really take an hour to get organized and not just start reacting to things. But, meditate. But I have a lot of things going on. Yeah, right. Meditate, levitate. Well, yeah. well the thing is you can do those things. The key is yeah. that you, you have them scheduled in your day. Right. I, mean, I, I just want to see important. if there's any fires I need to be aware of, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think if you're customer-oriented, okay. it's, it's a good way. Yeah, yeah. don't. Don't worry about it. You can feel good about yourself okay. for that. Okay. All right. So the last question Andy is... said it was okay. Yeah. What's one question you get asked most frequently by salespeople? Oh, gosh. Um, oh, 
how can I do this quickly in my presentation? How can I quickly tailor my presentation and, and not the repeat is... the wheel? The answer is to have a, a system, a structure that you can kind of break things into chunks that that uh, align with people's attention spans and and have some set pieces based on uh, your solution um, that you can you can you know plug and play and make kind of a plug and play presentation that you can accordion and tailor as necessary. Okay. So a little work on the front end, but uh, once you get it going, it's real simple. Yeah, have an inventory. That you can pull from. Right. All right. Well, great. Well, I want to thank you for joining me. My guest today has been Julie Hansen. Julie, tell folks how they can find out more about you. You can visit my website at performancesalesandtraining.com or um, salespresentationsfordummies.com. You'll find out more about my book as well. Excellent. Okay. And the dummy series, it's not just for dummies. It's for everybody. It's so, not just for dummies. It's right. actually for People. It's very inclusive, right? <laughs> yes. All right. Well, remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And subscribing to this podcast is an easy way to do that because then you'll make sure you don't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Julie Hansen, who share their expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining us. And until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com. Hey, sales strategists. At Revenue.io, we're not just imagining the future of sales. We're building it. We offer the world's most complete platform for revenue teams, and we're featured in the most recent Forrester Waves for both sales engagement and conversation intelligence. With Revenue.io, you can slash call prep time to seconds, guide your reps in real time to have more successful conversations, and after calls, we generate ready-to-send recap emails so sellers can keep deals soaring toward the finish line at light speed. See the future of sales now at Revenue.io.